well, you know, I'd rather be playing pool downstairs right now. Because <laughs> I, I am the Polish-Korean prince of pool. Oh. Yeah, I am really good. Or really, really bad. <laughs> you, guys, you guys play? It's a tough game. Eight balls, my game. You don't know how to play eight ball? Don't gamble. <laughs> well, guys, you know, my name is Ed Marzuski. Um, my family's from Chicago. I was born on the south side at 104th. I, went to, I was born in Little Company of Mary Hospital which is at 95th and Western, and lived at 104th and Whipple when I was a kid. And the weird thing is, my family, my father, owned a tavern at 31st and Harding, right down the block from here. So I used to come to this neighborhood every single day for most of my life as a kid. And we would come here to this neighborhood, and I'd hang out in the back apartment while my mother was working or my father was working. And back in the day, Alfaro was a little shack. It was like a tiny little diner and it had the best food on earth. And even today, it still has great food. Do you guys go there at all? Yeah. I mean, yes. that's when I have a food flashback to when, I eat, when I'm eating Mexican food, I flash back to Alfaro when I was a kid. It's a really good, comforting feeling. So it's nice to be here in this neighborhood where I used to have the dog walk me <laughs> down the block. We had a big dog, and he would always drag, periodically drag me on the sidewalk until I let go of the chain and he'd run away for like days and then come back and I'd walk him again. Whenever they gave me the dog, they knew that it was time for the dog to just go hang outside for a couple of days. So it's pretty funny. But you know, back then, I'm one of my first um, memories of media was when we would, we would always drive down I-55 and we'd see the smokestacks, the white and red smokestacks over there at the power plant. We always be listening to the radio. And my first memory is when John Lennon from the Beatles died. Do you guys know about that? person who was against war, was against violence, was against any of the wars going on. So he was against one of the biggest wars ever in America that we fought, which was the Vietnam War. You guys aware of that? Yeah. You guys are aware of that? Yeah. And you knew John, John Lennon was cool and was a peacenik? Yeah. It took, <laughs> see, now, I didn't know that when I was a kid, when I first heard that he passed away. It took years later for me to learn that. And the reason why I learned that it's through investigation of the, of, you know, obviously reading media, reading papers, reading books and stuff. So, anyways, fast forward many years. Um, I was in college in Champaign-Urbana, which is in the south part of, or the middle part of Illinois. And another war occurred. And it was the first Gulf War. Do you guys remember the first Gulf War? All right, now I got you. <laughs> Well, the first Gulf War happened around 1991-92, or was it 1990-91? And back then, you guys ever hear of Saddam Hussein? Yeah, he was the dictator of Iraq, right? And a, 
but that dictator of Iraq invaded a little tiny country called Kuwait. They were both countries that were uh, created after World War II. I know this is boring you, but the thing is, the point is, I didn't realize why we would go to war with this weird country, in the, you know, like a couple thousand miles away overseas. And when I started reading the mainstream media, the newspapers and stuff, the newspapers seemed to think it was a good idea. Most of the daily, but back then there wasn't an internet. We had to read papers and news magazines. And most of the media was really in favor of us going to war and kicking Saddam Hussein out of Iraq. I used to frequent a space like this once in a while. Um, I think it was called the PMRC. Forgot what the initials stand for. Peace, Media, Race, Center. I have no idea what, I don't remember, but the PMRC was a place that was a community center and it had a, a magazine rack of all these alternative magazines. And back then, alternative magazines were like independently produced magazines that you could get at the newsstand or you just, mostly people subscribed to them. And they were called like The Nation or Mother Jones or The Progressive. And I started learning about reasons why we shouldn't go to war in Iraq. And I learned about the history of the U.S. actually supporting Saddam Hussein for many decades, giving him money, giving him weapons, buying his oil, supporting his policies for many years. And I dove into the world of the complexities of what political life is like and what politics are. But what really bothered me is that no one around us in campus, or a lot of people on campus, didn't, most people thought it was a good idea to go to war, and it kind of freaked me out. And one of the reasons why I believed people were for the war was because they were watching TV, they were reading these newspapers saying, it's a good thing to get rid of Saddam Hussein, right? And that's when I started getting involved in media. I think at that point, after being inspired by reading these other publications, and actually taking more classes at school about history and about politics and political science, we learned that there's, you know, the voices of those who are the loudest are the ones that are heard. And at that time, um, in the U.S. at the time, most of the media, the television, the radio, and the papers that we read were owned by like a couple dozen corporations. And that's where I started learning that larger corporations have an undue influence over our perception of what's going on today, in, in whatever the issue is, whether it's immigration, whether it's going to war, whether it's about the election, whether it's about whether... Uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, like all these things would be, would be kind of skewed towards an analysis of what I would call um, an oligarchy or the ruling class. Is this making any sense to you? Are you guys getting this? Yeah. All right. So I felt because it was, I felt that because I was able to learn so much more from this alternative media that if more people were learning from alternative voices or opinions or ideas, that together we could make the right decisions about what to do as like citizens. That we wouldn't support these wars, or we wouldn't elect politicians who would support war, or we wouldn't elect politicians who are racist, homophobic, misogynist, or whatever, just bad people in general. So it made me believe in starting a little magazine called Lumpen. And we started this out of a house using the computers from school and the copy machines from school 
and we made our own zines, much like you guys have made already, right? You guys have made some zines before? Yeah. And we started making those zines and distributing them in coffee shops or handing them off to friends or people on the street, telling them like, hey, you know, this is a new publication made by a bunch of uh, students or kids or uh, people really concerned about what's happening um, in society today. You know, check it out, let us know what you think, and we would get feedback from those publications. And when we started, it wasn't very sophisticated. We were really reprinting articles that we read that got us really excited and turned down and made us think really hard about a specific issue. And through that process, we, I personally just got involved in the notion of alternative journalism, which back then was, there were a series of newspapers that came out weekly or monthly and stuff. Um, and from that experience, we stayed committed towards um, exposing uh, what we felt was wrong in society, um, whether it was um, anything from the wars and uh, wars in Iraq to local policy uh, regarding um, public housing. Uh, we would basically just read everything we possibly could, try to find the best idea about a particular issue, and present that to a person. So. And then we just started making this publication. We got out of school, moved to Chicago, and after a year or so, we all got back together and restarted Lumpen Magazine, which you see here. And because of the use of technology like computers, we were able to, for the first time ever, uh, create our own layouts and our own design using the software that's on the computer. And we were able to make stuff that looked just as good as magazines that these large corporations were making. So in a way, we were able to, in a, in a sense, create a format that people were able to read that they were already reading. So if you're reading Time Magazine or Newsweek Magazine or Chicago Tribune, people like us could now make the same products as easily as these large corporations could. So it was a pretty interesting time. Um, anyways, through the 90s, we started doing this publication. We would talk about gentrification. You guys know what that is? Kind of what that is? When you live in a neighborhood that is um, uh, full of more ethnic groups, uh, people who are more working class or poorer people. What happens sometimes is that real estate developers come in and buy these homes for cheap, fix them, and move in people who have more money, which then creates a chain reaction where housing becomes more expensive over time, where, where sometimes families have to leave their homes because they can't afford the rent or they can't afford their property taxes. Um, there's many ways of looking at gentrification through the lens of class war um, or ethnic kind of like replacement, like we're all immigrants here in a sense, right? Except for you. That's like a joke. Yeah. Anyways, um, the point I'm trying to make is that um, we were talking about issues that were affecting our communities that we lived in. Uh, so we were talking about local stuff, and we're talking about anti-war stuff, talking about social justice, economic justice, environmental justice. Basically, we just wanted to support what we thought was called the movement, which was like a more progressive way of looking at the world. Um, anyways, we did that in Chicago. We produced a magazine every month. We made 20,000 copies, put them in bookstores, bars, restaurants, cafes, supermarkets had parties where we would distribute the magazine. We would have different artists contribute um, photography and artwork. We'd talk about the music that we we're listening to today. But we were really supporting small, independent businesses, 
independent artists, independent musicians, people who were making stuff locally. Because it was really hard for people who were making stuff locally to get their stuff on the radio or get it heard. So we decided to make this publication and organization to support the cultures that were around us, much like what you guys are doing, right? But we did it maybe on a little bit larger scale. We printed like, you know, a bunch of copies of this. And we started having events. And then the, the internet arrived. And back in the back when I was your and we're not even your age. We didn't have the internet when I was your age. We had the first browser, it was called the Netscape browser, and it was invented at my college, University of Illinois. It was pretty cool. And we we started using the internet and building websites. And back then it was pretty nuts because back then no one knew how to build websites and they, they invented the, the web-based browser. So giant corporations and kids like yourselves could make websites that looked equally as cool or equally as bad. You guys ever see animated GIFs? When animated GIFs came out, it was the most radical website invention ever. You could have radical, you could have images flipping in a photograph. It was magical. Back then, too, the connectivity to the internet was crazy. We used to use these things called modems that would hook up to your phone, and there was a 14400 baud connection and a 288 baud connection. And this was pretty, this means nothing to you right now, but it allowed you to dial up and hook up to the internet and look at a website. Like, pretty amazing stuff. Anyways, then they started inventing DSL. They started inventing a little bit wider broadband internet. And it allowed you to put media up on there, audio files, video files. So we got involved in creating more media. Instead of just the print media, we started working online. We started recording interviews with artists and activists and people and started putting those interviews up on the internet so people could, could hear the stories that were being told about people fighting another war, Gulf War II. So most of these kind of things that happened to me were always kind of occurring at a time when wars were happening. Like, and as you guys know, you've been living through the longest war ever in the history of America, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. They've been going on for 13 or 14 years now. These are wars that are out of sight, out of mind, right? You don't even know they're happening because we're here in this beautiful America, this beautiful country where we're protected and free and don't have to worry about... Um, you know, people, whatever, blowing up the building next to us. You know, we could go to a park or the market without fear of being shot at or blown up by um, a suicide bomber. So there are people who are in the rest of the world who will live under this kind of threat of annihilation or danger daily, right? And we forget about those people because it's boring. It's in the background and it's happening somewhere else. Well, we worked with a bunch of artists and videographers and stuff to present their stories or prevent the stories of people who are trying to stop horrible things from happening in the world. And it was a very exciting time because we were using this technology uh, right when the large corporations were also using technology, right? And by the time where this Gulf War II came by, there were only about seven or eight co corporations that ran most of the media in America. Back in the 90s, it was like 24. This media consolidation happened where fewer and fewer corporations were owning almost everything that you heard, read, or saw on TV. 
And it seems like there's an infinite number of channels and there's an infinite way of things of seeing stuff on the internet. But what's happened is that this kind of control of information controls what we think about as a society. So what is the most important thing happening today, guys? Anyone want to guess? The election. But what I mean really specific to today. Like what parade happened today? Yeah. So the only thing that really matters to most people today are the Cubs because they won the World Series. Or the Cubs really for two weeks, right? If you're a baseball fan. Why is that? It's because everyone's talking about the Cubs. It's on the news all the time. Cubs, Cubs, will the Cubs win? Are they going to lose? We know more about the curse of the Cubs. We know more about the GOAT. We know more about the Cubs' history of not winning baseball games than we do about the current war happening right now. Wouldn't you agree with me? Yeah. Well, why is that, guys? Why does that happen? Why don't we know more? That's a great way of saying it. it's distraction, and we're constantly distracted, right? I mean, if I my daughter had my phone, I'd be checking my t I'd be checking my Facebook profile right now, right? We'd be checking the internet. We'd be there's tons of distractions today. So in a way, even though there's a giant consolidation of the media, and even though we have millions of games and millions of apps and things we could do now with our phones and our stuff, they're all distractions from the fact that, you know, there's a bunch of wars going on. And the, the thing, the, the reason why wars matter to me so much is because, you know how apparently we all pay taxes in America? Yep. And there's an annual budget. We use that tax money and we create a budget to pay for health care or schools or education and things like that, right? Yep. The majority of all of our tax money goes to waging war. So out of every dollar that the U.S. government spends, over 51 cents, 50, 51 cents goes to the military, the CIA, the NSA, etc. to just wage war, just to make weapons, have bases all over the world, send drones to just bomb the hell out of people in Afghanistan and Iraq. And there's no accountability, there's no real discussion about it, except that it supposedly protects us. And this is the other issue, and this is why it's really important to me to talk about the war, is because with this monopoly of the media, it's very easy for the media to present an, a kind of sense of fear. So if we could scare the heck out of you to be afraid of those bad brown people in, in the desert in the Middle East, or Muslims in general, Islamic people, or all the Mexicans in America now, according to some, some presidential candidates, are criminals and rapists. You know you're all criminals and rapists, right? Right. So the thing is, you have a media that amplifies those ideas constantly, right? And what do we have? We got Facebook. We got little zines, a couple of websites, right? So today, more than ever, it's really important to create an independent media to talk about these issues. What does it mean when a presidential candidate says that a Mexican is a rapist? Um, and then the, it gets broadcast throughout the media and you're a Mexican person going into a predominantly white rural community in the South. What's going to happen to you when you walk into this community who's been listening to Donald Trump for the whole year talking about Mexicans being racist and criminals? How do you think you're going to be treated? Right? Right. So these words, 
these vibes, these messages that are broadcast have real impact to you personally, can affect you personally, right? You're a black woman, right? Statistically, you're the worst treated human being in America. Did you know that? You know that, right? That's not cool, right? Yeah. So what has to happen is people who are being targeted, people who are being marginalized, have to develop their own voices, have to tell their own stories, and have to fight back when you hear scumbags like Donald Trump say these things. So it's either through activism, media activism, through being aware of what's happening in the media, having a sense of awareness. Like, it's Media Literacy Week, right? It sounds like, what the heck is Media Literacy Week? Like, big deal, I need media literacy. It matters because people don't even understand that they are watching propaganda on the mainstream television. People are unaware that they, when they watch Fox News or listen to certain channels that it's from a viewpoint of racist, misogynist, old white men like Donald Trump. When you have racist, misogynist, old white people running news networks in your media, you're not going to really get a fair or balanced or accurate reflection of what's happening in society. And you're going to make sure that your friends and partners and advertisers who support a kind of total war economy that we have will always be supported when they go invade the next country, whether it's Libya, Syria, Iran, and they pick a country, right? So the importance of media literacy is to know that the media is generally owned by, it's like a pyramid structure by very few people, and they present the ideas and opinions and views that they want the rest of Americans to have. And you can see the polar. You can see how this works in action when you see the, a presidential election. Does everyone remember Bernie Sanders? He seemed like a. I mean, a old white guy running for president. What a joke, right? But that's how it's always. But B, a radical old white guy, saying crazy stuff, it was beautiful. First time I've ever seen that in my life. Hillary Clinton, old school politician, been there forever. Part of the corruption and crappiness of our political system today. But she'll be the first woman who could be elected president, which is a miracle. A woman being a president of America, beautiful. And then you have Republican Party people, generally kind of like hateful, racist people, fascists, whatever you want to call them. Now they pick Donald Trump to represent that party. A guy who obviously is sexist and thinks it's okay to treat women like trash says Mexicans are racists and murderers, right? Um, generally hates Islamic, any brown person just has got to be locked up. And you see that this guy has a chance to win the presidency? Doesn't that freak you out? It freaks me out, man. And having this, must, this freak out has really helped us remain committed to creating media, even if it doesn't have much impact. Even if it just gets to that grandma at the gro Espinosa grocery and she changed her mind about something. We're happy if we can convince someone to provide some information to someone for the first time that allows them to look at the world differently, to question their own prejudices. Because the problem with today, even though you have infinite use of the internet, you now have your, most of the information you're reading on social media like Facebook, right, or Google, is heavily censored. The only news feeds that you get in Facebook, the only news and information you're going to get, 
is information that you already agree with. So you're only going to get information that reinforces your opinion about what's happening in the world. Google search engine only searches information that is presented through support of advertising or supports the news organizations who already dominate the medium, right? So you have two powerful media technology media companies, right? Running and controlling and filtering everything that you see or hear. You have a ha you have four or five corporations that control everything you see, hear, or read, right? And against this empire is the rebellion, this perennial rebellion of people like ourselves creating media, right? So I consider ourselves the Chewbacca of independent media, right? Because I like crossbows. I, maybe you guys, I don't know what you want to identify as part of the um, Rebel Alliance, but you can pick whatever you want. But I think what happens when you see the horror of like what we see in our election today, you have to speak up, you have to resist, you have to create media and messages that counter this hateful stuff going on. When people throw out lies constantly to people every day, you need to fight that with a mural, a stencil, graffiti, a poster, a magazine, a blog post, a website, social media, animated GIFs are cool again. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much you could create because there's different ways of presenting those medias in different contexts. And I think that's what you're learning here, right? Maybe? I don't know. But I'll tell you this much, by learning how to create media now by yourselves right now, and also training yourself to be documentarians and journalists, or training yourselves to get someone to tell a story, is really good training for you to present and be part of the resistance to, I would say, a kind of colonization of our minds, right? You guys see The Matrix? Ever watch The Matrix series? You gotta watch it. There's all these wonderful popular culture films out there that look at the world as like an unreal place, that it's all a fantasy, this is not real, right? It's a really great metaphor for what's happening when all of our experiences are mediated through these screens, right? Like, this is the most real it's going to get here, guys. We're sitting here. I mean, if we had some hamburgers or something or pizza, it'd be even more real. It'd be as real as it could be, really. But what I'm saying is that being together socially in a place together is very important to complement what you do online and what you do in social media, right? And you could use the social media as, a, as like a, an information weapon, right, as a way to spread an idea. And remember, these don't have to be your ideas. Like we started off, we don't have any ideas. I'm just a dumb Korean Polak from 31st and Harding. What the hell do I know? We just found ideas that we thought were really incredible and we shared those ideas, right? We shared one, there are already people out there who are writing and talking and saying great things that need to be shared and they're not shared enough. So even participating in that culture by advocating and promoting someone else's good idea is really, really important, right? You shouldn't feel upset that you didn't come up with a genius idea or that you didn't write the genius thing. Your job right now is to collect and to understand, to get the widest opinion on an idea and try to present the ones that you think have the most impact on your communities, right? That's, that's really hard to do already. So if you can accomplish that, that's pretty awesome. So, 
We've been doing this magazine for 25 years. Look at me. I've been doing this stuff for 25 years. Don't you think I should have like a, get like a real job or something? But no, we stayed committed to this alternative media, stayed committed to creating community centers or working on art and promoting independent culture because we still believe that it's important to confront this kind of like corporate, what we call hegemony, which is corporate control or corporate kind of like influence in our lives. So here, there's some stuff, you can check it out. Um, <laughs> my daughter probably will not get into this stuff at all because she's gonna do everything opposite her dad's doing. But I'm gonna fake around and say that I'm a real hardcore Republican right-wing fanatic, so she becomes a lefty. But we also started a radio station. As you guys know, some of you guys are on the shows, correct? Yeah. Who's on the air every, every weekend? Crazy, huh? Well, here's the thing. It's like our job is to make sure you get on the air. Your voices get on the air, right? So we're really excited that after 25 years, we're launching a kind of community radio station. It allows us to, you know, literally amplify people's voices, but also share culture through music. Like, I don't know about you, but music is probably one of the most important things, art forms in my life, right? So it's great to be able to share artwork, musical art, audio art, to more people, right? So, and also to have shows that talk about technology or the daily issues of our day, to kind of like just discuss everyday life is really important for people because a lot of this is really polished, kind of hyped up, otherworldly stuff. We want to keep it real on Lumpin' Radio. And I think you guys are coming down tomorrow, is that right? I'm not sure what time the, we're start, what, you're coming at four? Oh, great. There's going to be polar sausage, hot dogs, soda, chips, some other unhealthy food. <laughs> All right? It'll be great. And we're having our anniversary um, of the magazine and celebration of the launch of this radio station. It'll go on for 24-7. So I just want to say this, guys, that, like, you know, this stuff only happened because our friends got together and we just stayed committed to it. There was always issues, we had ego issues, we're young, insecure, you know, we're all challenging each other's ideas, or we all wanna be, take credit and be the cool guy. I wound up being the last cool guy standing, but I'm also the biggest moron of the group, right? I'm the reason, I, I alienate people. I, I'm a horrible collaborator sometimes, but I'm also a good one. But through doing these projects, you're gonna come up with interpersonal issues just talk through them. Don't even worry about it. Whatever anybody wants to do, just let them do it. If you really have a vision that you want to pursue, continue working together with people on a collective project. Start your own thing on the side if you need an outlet to do your thing. You know, that's one of the things I learned is that collectively more stuff happens. Independently, we're all screwed, right? Unless you're independently wealthy. Right, which none of us here are, I think. If you are, please subscribe to Lumpen Magazine <laughs> and make a donation to Lumpen Radio tonight. WLPN LP 105.5 FM, your community radio station. So, guys, if you want to get involved in these projects, you can let us know. We are super busy freaks. We're like, can't, can't even like find time to um, go to El Faro for tacos anymore. Now think about that. Think about how horrible that is, right? 
but we'd be happy to help you if you need help with anything, printing, you have ideas for stuff, and we're always here to help you guys. Because what you're doing and what your concerns are right now are you're part of like a very small segment of society that we rely on to get the truth out there or the truths. It's very important that you continue to play a role in being advocates for good ideas, journalism, media literacy, right? It's great that you're all here together, learning together, how to work together, create media together. Nobody has these tools anywhere else, guys. This stuff does not exist in most places. So utilize all the stuff you can. Sure, I know you want to just chill, you want to eat pizza and play pool, or you want to use the internet, you know, for whatever your reasons are. I have no idea what people do on the internet today, except for play video games. And in fact, I want to advocate for the PC gaming. Sure, console gaming's cool, but learn how to use your WASD keyboard and mouse to play video games. And let's bring it back, let's keep it real. Let's not lose PC gaming in society. All right, guys? That's really important to me. All right, I don't have any questions about anything. This is just the reason why we do stuff. It's not why anyone does stuff. I hope it's okay with you guys that it's really all about being anti-war and anti-bad people. You could ask me questions about food, too. How's the sausage? The Polish sausage is very good, very snappy, sign of a good Polish. Comes with kimchi if you want. Does anyone want mustard or ketchup on their Polish tomorrow? Raise your hand. Ketchup and mustard? Okay, I'll bring that. I'll bring ketchup and mustard. Yeah, I've been there. I was there back in the 60s. How old am I? Yeah. Is that any of your business, young lady? <laughs> How old do you think I am? Here's a dollar. <laughs> well, you know, I was there, yeah. With the, we had like 20 people start the first. 20, we all met like this in a coffee shop and talked about all the stuff. Everyone said, I'm going to write about this. I'm going to take pictures of this. I'm going to submit a poem. I'm going to do an illustration. We all sat there, and not everyone produced it, and that was fine. So we had a deadline. Everyone submitted what they finished at the deadline, and we just collated and laid it out and made our first scene. It was that easy, right? And back then it was like, it's okay if you didn't do your thing. It's okay if you missed the deadline. Next time, we're going to do another one. So the problem is some people just feel social anxiety or they can't get their stuff together to finish their idea or project. And my thing would be, suggestion or advice would be, if you don't, can't do your thing, tell everyone you can't do your thing. Say, we thought it was a good idea, but it's a bad idea. I can't do it. I want to do a different idea. Or just go, I can't do this stuff. I'm not, I'm not a media maker. I can't do it. How do I help someone? Could I distribute? See if you could help a different way. Maybe you're a good distributor. Maybe you're a good marketer. Maybe you could sell ads. Maybe you can interview people, whatever. Everyone has a talent to do something in a project like that, especially in media. And back then, my job was just, the, you know, as it is today, hustling for money, ads, doing layout, and 
finding articles that I liked for written by other people and publishing them. So I'm like an editor, right? And when I'm forced to, I write. I don't like writing, personally. It's just, it's hard to write. And the only, only reason I've ever, ever been able to write is like, your deadline's tomorrow, dude. You better write something. So I guess I've been percolating ideas, and I write it, and I write it the night before, and it's full of typos, and someone fixes it. But yeah, today, like, I was the last article on this new issue we're releasing tomorrow. You'll read, you'll read my article, and it very much relates to what I've told you today about why I got into this stuff. Probably with a little bit more colorful language. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Well, what do you guys do? I ask, I wonder what, when you make stuff, when you're looking on the internet, do you go to news sites or is it all about like gaming or looking for hot boys and girls? <laughs> Celebrity stuff. What is it? Huh? You're looking for some hot dudes on the internet? Music? Huh? What's happening here, guys? That's what I do. But after that, I'd read counterpunch.org or The Guardian, which is a British paper. So, yeah, you guys, if, if you guys need anything tomorrow, let me know. Besides eating your Polish sausage and chips, I could bring you, like, uh, you can, well, you've all been in the studio. You'll see the studio. Let's go. Today? This week? I do once in a while. Sometimes I'm not able to because i got to figure out what my little ham sandwich is doing. Right, Ruby? <laughs> Just going through my contacts now. Okay. Any, anyone else have any other questions? You could be anything. Don't be afraid. I'm, I'm like the most approachable dude you're gonna meet at a thing for a while now. So get it out. And I, I am. I'm. Act, I think I'm 47 years old. Yeah. Here's a dollar for you as well. But why does that matter? I look young? Yeah. Well, thanks guys, appreciate that. It's the Korean jeans. They're designer. Expensive jeans. You know, I traded advertising to clothe me for like 10 years. It's crazy. Think about that when you're doing sale, ad sales, bartering, bartering is super cool. Excuse me for a second. <laughs> you just can't text a bunch of people with emojis. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. All right, honey. Okay, um, sorry about that. Anything anything else you guys? Any questions? Any other questions? Yeah. Do you like K pop? Do I like K pop? I do only because it's very strange, <laughs> super bizarre, but super sad too, you know, right? You know, South Korea came out of the war, World War II, went into the Korean War, society was totally destroyed, and they erupted into this super hardworking, freaked out culture where no matter what, just work your butt off to rebuild a nation. And with that came this kind of like weird first generation that made it happen for their kids, and then they got into pop culture as kind of from America, right? And they create these girl K-pop bands who are then, their, their only desire in life is to be a model K-pop star, right? Yeah. 
There's a there's like a documentary about it. Have you seen it on Netflix? Is it And there's surgery. I, I don't. I know there's surgery involved, but like they physically change their bodies to be able to go on TV, and it's just really, really. That's what you want to do. That's that's your aspiration. But the problem is that is an aspiration because Korean society is very male dominated, and women are pretty much just treated like trash too, right? In the old school Asian traditional way, like you're at home, watch the kids, keep your mouth shut. I'm gonna go out if I'm a dude. I'm gonna work my butt off and then drink my butt off, and then you know what I mean. It's yeah. really weird, traditional in sense of patriarchal society. But weirdly enough, when the World Cup soccer came to South Korea, it some somehow liberated women. Women went to the South World Cup games because men were working. They became experts on f football, and had a vo and they got a voice in society in the media because of their expertise and knowledge of soccer. It's nuts. But the K-pop thing, I like it as a kind of trippy, I like the videos, you know, they're cool. Some of the songs are catchy. This, the Gangnam guy is pretty funny. Weird Korean dude, breakdancing. Pretty good videos actually, really awesome videos. But here's the thing. If we could take the money to make one of those music videos, you could create like an entire 10 years of publications or you could build the most beautiful media uh, website or whatever, you guys could go out here and just paint every single wall in the city. You know what I mean? Like a lot of waste of money and time goes into creating this entertainment media meant to seduce you into kind of like inactivity or to purchase an item. Does that make sense? Most of our, this, everything is about buying crap, and I'm, I fall into that too. It's all like buy, buy stuff, buy stuff. There's nothing to do with stopping a fascist pig like Donald Trump. It's like buy Trump perfume, right? What? Yeah, or buy Trump whatever. Trump juice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyways. All right, guys. Anything else? All right. Well, I'm so glad I could come here and talk to you. Please get involved, create media, but also be very critical and understand that it's really important to share good ideas to other people around you, even if they seem dangerous or weird or unpopular. Right? It'll at least allow you to have a conversation about what you're thinking about, and that kind of interaction on a one-to-one -one level is really important. So thanks. All right, guys, I got to go to Costco. Line station you can listen to. This is our most recent issue that came out a while ago, but we've been doing some other stuff. And it's pretty, pretty deep, guys. All right? Yeah, you were in a, the hell. Yes. Yeah. And these are just weird, guys. This is like a time warp. Like, what are they talking about back here in the 90s, 2000, whatever? Super weird. And this is just a thing we gave me, like, this was a cool project because I knew how to publish. I just walked around the neighborhood, 
bumped into an artist or a writer and said, hey man, you want to contribute something? I'm doing this project where I just bump into my friends and ask them to show me what they're doing. And I happen to have a lot of cool friends. Because if you look at all the stuff, this artwork and the things that they're doing is pretty cool. Or I asked them for a musical track to put on a compilation CD. So this is a different example of doing publication that's neat. This was a fun thing because it became an entire issue about putting up posters on the street, agitprop, right? It was about cutting these out, wheat pasting them up on the wall, right? So this was like a fun thing. I, I actually did this. This was the cut and surveil. Never feel alone again. You can put your own video, you know, surveillance camera in your room or wherever. So this was a fun way of giving people, like, here's your street art kit. Cut the stuff up and paste it out. No, and do yeah. it yourself. Yeah. Like, go vandalize the city. You know what I mean? And it was a really cool idea. Um, I want to do more of these, but it's like, it's hard. But also, it also featured artwork, right? Contemporary artwork by different artists. So it was a way of distributing their ideas. Um, to a wider audience. This was I Wish I Was Still a Tree, like basically this poor little piece of paper wishes it wasn't a piece of paper and it was a tree. Um, oh yeah, what a familiar theme. The brutal occupation of Iraq cost $1 billion a week. So this was a poster calling on people to march on Washington. Billion dollars a week. Do you know how they talk about public school crisis here in Chicago? So maybe don't wage war for a week. Pay off all the bills. Pay teachers a lot. Improve facilities. One week of a war could fix the entire city of Chicago's public education. Right? So you think about it. And that's what the problem is. So maybe we didn't wage war for 52 weeks. Drop a billion dollars on a different city in America. Fix their education or infrastructure. Really simple stuff, right? Yeah. To us. But someone's making a bill. When they talk about billion bucks, someone's making a billion dollars and it ain't us, right? Someone's making that billion dollars. So, but it's funny. So these things are important, guys. Like, and then I, you, I better hope, you know, if you can vote or if your families can vote or your relatives can vote, you all voted. Even though we're going to kick his ass out of the state again like we did. But it's really important that our voices are heard, right? Always stay active in that, right? And all your friends who are not interested in stuff and are just dropping down or playing too many video games, <laughs> tell them that, I don't know, you know <laughs> trade in the video game, like trade them, like you get them participating in an action and then maybe you'll play a video game with them. Let them crush you in a video game. Want to take a photo? Sure. Ruby, come here, honey. Take a photo, and we're getting out of here. <laughs> come here, baby. <laughs> you want to stand over here in the corner by this little screen? What over here? Let's go over here, guys. Okay.